You are Locked On NC State, your daily podcast on the NC State Wolfpack, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Wolfpack fans. It's me again, Kenton Gibbs, bringing you all another episode of Locked On Wolfpack. And again, apologies for yesterday. Like I said, there's been a lot going on with life. But today, I have a special mystery guest that is not going to be a mystery any longer. We have a longtime friend of mine, another one of those guys that started with me over at The Technician. He is now writing a staff writer for Inside Pack Sports, Andrew Snicker. How you doing tonight, Andrew? I'm doing good, Kenton. It's good to be on here talking some, uh, some NC State sports. Thanks for having me. First of all, that was gross. I've, I've never called you Andrew ever. Uh, I, I very affectionately know Andrew Snitter as Snitty. Uh, most people do. But, uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about some NC State sports because I think that this is, this is Snitty's second love to only the, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Kansas City Royals. So I, I, think, I think that we, we got a little something on our hands. What do you think, Snitty? I think we can make something happen. All right, all right, all right. So we're going to start off with football. Because it's the only sport that's in season right now. So, oh, I'm sorry. The uh, There are a few other sports that are in season as well. But it's the only one that I'm credentialed to cover at this time. So, yeah, we're going to start off with football. How do you think the team has done this year so far up against the expectations they've had? Well, I mean, especially depending on where you looked, the expectations, I think, coming into this season after that uh, – I think what can only be described as a disaster last season were fairly low for a lot of people. Um, I think it's been a good start. I mean, you know, obviously NC State is coming off a rough loss against a very good North Carolina team. But I think if you would have looked at that early schedule with some of the games that they had to play against teams like Pitt and North Carolina and Virginia Tech and with four of their first six on the road, and if you would have told most NC State fans – that the Wolfpack would be four and two through six games going into this bye, I think they would be pretty happy with it. You know what? One thing that I've talked about a lot on this show is managing the expectations. And as uh, Vince Vaughn once said, as he played Peter LaFleur in dodgeball, you keep the expectations low, you set no expectations, you can't be disappointed. No, but seriously, though, I agree that uh, the pack going into six and two. Is has been absolutely great, and there there are some times where they could have been better, but also, I mean, like you said, after last year, what can you really ask for? So, what groups on the team, what position groups on the team have surprised you, either positively or negatively? Well, this first one's going to be kind of unfortunate because. Uh... You're probably not going to see him again this year, but at quarterback, I thought um, in the games that he played, you know, NC State goes three and zero, and Devin Leary starts. I thought um, he's, pl- I thought he played really well. You know, obviously he had that really impressive game-winning drive at Pitt. He's made some big-time throws. Unfortunately, he suffers the fractured fibula against Duke, um, and does not is unlikely we're going to see him for the rest of the regular season. Um, I think the best position group on the team so far overall, just in terms of what everybody's been able to do, has to be the linebackers. I mean, that that group has been incredible. I mean, you look uh, at Peyton Wilson 
who led, in fact, I think going into the UNC game, I think Peyton Wilson, Drake Thomas, and Isaiah Moore were all in the top 10 in the ACC in tackles per game. Mm-hmm. Peyton Wilson was leading that group. He had, I think, 19 tackles, a sack, two picks against Duke. So, you know, if you when you looked at this Wolfpack defense coming into the season, you thought that that linebacker group had the potential to be really, really good, but they've almost exceeded my expectations just with how good that they've been on a consistent basis. I agree. The only linebacking core that I think would, in the entire league, by the way, that I think has a claim to say we've played as well is maybe Clemson and Boston College. Only two linebacking cores that can even have a seat at the table to say we have done as much. Uh, So, as far as the linebackers coming in and playing how they played, that has been spectacular. And I think that this was a group that we all saw and thought they're going to have to lead this team. Uh, With Nick McLeod leaving, going to uh, Notre Dame, with Jarius Moorhead graduating, with other guys graduating, leaving, etc. The secondary was already going to be a little thinned out. The defensive line, they were bringing in Joseph over from Penn State, but still... Even with Aleem McNeil and him, you lose Murchison, you lose some other guys, you lose James Smith-Williams, all those guys. So you you naturally look at this and say, well, the linebackers are going to have to lead, and I think they have defensively. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, they've gotten, especially in the face of some injuries, though, they've gotten some good play um, from the defensive line. You mentioned Aleem McNeil, who's been, I mean, a monster all right. year. I mean, I think that's a guy you're going to see playing on – Sundays in the not too distant future in the secondary Sunday, too, Monday, it's... Tuesday, Thursday, you know, it's a new world with the NFL now, but go ahead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, um, the secondary, you know, they've had some good games. They've most, for the most part, been able to limit those explosive plays against. So and when you look at some of the guys that have been out, um, you know, haven't seen Chris Ingram this year, Rakeem Ashford's been out, uh, mm-hmm. to Sean Smith's been out. And you look yeah. at, it's young guys like Joshua Pierre Lewis, um, Shaheem Battle, who I've really liked a lot, who have been out there making plays. So Battle's really impressive be a on the defensive, really Battle. impressive on the defensive side of the ball. What the Wolfpack's been able to overcome at all levels, really. Absolutely, Battle's going to be a stud going forward. And I agree. I like I've always said, and I know that the podcast fans are probably tired of hearing this, but at the end of the day, there has been an injury swarm of locusts that have hit the defensive backfield. It's not an injury bug because at this point it's a it's an injury uh, bug infestation, if anything, because it's, it, you know, this is two seasons straight now where you miss oh, yeah. some of your top cover guys, where you lose guys left and right and a lot of guys go down. And so offensively, uh, you already talked about Devin Leary a little bit. Was Devin Leary playing that well a shock to you? Was that something that you were like, I expected this from him, or was that like, oh, okay, he's – He's well, the next one line. I'm not sure I expected quite um, what we saw from him. I think we all, you know, around the program and hearing what the coaching staff and seeing some of the ability that he flashed last year, um, you knew that he had the talent and the ability. And the thing with him, this, the thing you have to remember about Devin Leary last year is by the time he was the guy last year, NC State had injuries at tight end. They had injuries at running back. They had injuries at receiver. They had injuries at um, on the offensive line. You've seen him now get to play in the games that he did play, especially mostly with a healthy offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, Kerry Angeline, who's an incredible 
weapon, especially in the red zone. A really good one-two punch at running back with Ricky Person and, and Bam Knight. And, right. um, you know, the receiver group was kind of disappointing last year, but you've seen guys like um, Amezi's having a much better season than he did last year. Devin Carter's been really good. There, Thomas has been really good. You've seen some ability flash from a freshman in Porter Rooks. So all that being a long road to say um, – I think we're seeing, and I asked Dave Doran about this after the pit game, and he agreed. I think we're kind of seeing, De- we saw Devin Leary with a full deck for mm-hmm. the first time, if that makes sense. And you, yeah, I yeah. think you're seeing that he has the capability to make use of that and run you a really good offense. And, you know, one thing that I always say is, uh, although quarterback, because of the rules and the way that everything has been designed now, although it's the most, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Although it's the most important position in football, it's also the most dependent. And by dependent, I mean a defensive tackle can show you how good he is even if everybody else on the team is bad. A cornerback can show you how good he is even if everybody else on the team is bad. A quarterback cannot. That's not the case. A quarterback needs help. They need an offensive line that's decent because if a quarterback is running the ground all night, doesn't matter how good they are, they're not going to play well. And so, you know, him having an offensive line that he has with all of the experience and all of the snaps that those guys have taken, him having the receivers, the big body guys, who aren't just big for no reason. They're going out there and making plays. Him having those guys healthy and available, I agree, has been extremely important. But, man, it's, it, it was really tough to see him go out in that Duke game. It was tough. For a plethora of reasons. It was, number one, it was it was an awful play. It was awful. And don't get me wrong, I, I love defense. I love hard hits. But I love hard hits within the parameter of the game. And that that hit there was just, it was clearly dirty. And, you know, I it's, it's tough to see what this season could have been at best case scenario and to see what it may turn into. Because although I don't want to say this, I'm, I'm going to say it because we don't do fluff pieces nor hit pieces here. NC State has looked completely lost at times without Devin Leary under center. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's tough for the team, and it's also tough because you look at Leary and you look at what he went through last year to finally get his chance, and then you look at the start of this year, he has to miss the opener because of uh, – he had yeah. to quarantine for so mm-hmm. long with all that COVID contact tracing. Exactly. When NC State had its outbreak. And then he's finally playing so well, and it looks like he's the guy. Now, the good news there is it's, you know, that he had a good – Dave Doran has said he had a good surgery. He should make a full recovery. So you should still know going forward from this, you know, weird season that Devin Leary is your quarterback of the future, which is incredibly important. But I, I mean, I agree with you. I, I do think that uh, if you look at some of the other games on the schedule after Miami, that NC state still has a chance to win, um, you know, seven or eight games here, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. like, I would have given them a shot in that UNC game. If they had Devin Leary, I would, I would give them a better shot than I'm giving them again. And I'm not saying they have no shot against Miami, but I, like you'd actually probably feel pretty good against Miami if you have Devin Leary. So, like, so here's here's a here's a question that I have for you about especially about the UNC game. The UNC game, or actually about the quarterback position based on what we saw in the UNC game. And watching the UNC game, I'm sure we all saw the same thing. 
as far as uh, what the players did and did not do, especially under center, is is it clear Ben Finley is your QB one going forward? You know, I don't think so. Um, I I liked really? what he did when he first came into the game, but I think as the game went along, uh, he looked a little overwhelmed with with some of the stuff that UNC was throwing at him. And you know, Bailey Hockman eventually comes back in, and you know, it was you know garbage time, you know, different kind of coverage and defense. But Bailey Hockman did move the ball. Um, and I think and here's I, oh go ahead. My thought would be. Uh, Bailey Hockman is probably my guy right now, but he does not have a long leash. And and so here's my thing of why. Uh, and don't get me wrong here. There are no wrong answers. We all we all watch the game differently, but we all see see it a little differently. And when I look at this, when I look at what they've done so far, I say Ben Finley is my guy without a doubt for this reason. I think that Tim Beck has had the problem with every quarterback not named Devin Leary, or even with Devin Leary, but Devin Leary hasn't thrown bad interceptions or multiple interceptions. Whenever a turnover occurs, he, like, brings the offense way in. Like, he just yeah. reels it in and is just like, all right, we're not throwing it deep anymore. We're not taking play action shot. Mm-mm, nope, nothing more. And if I look at what Ben Finley did in that game, one of his turnovers should have been a touchdown in the pass to Dylan Parham. The other turnover should not have happened because anybody who knows anything about football knows you do not counter up the screens and you do not counter up screens with the quick game because the same way you stop screens is the same way you stop quick game. You tell your defensive line, stop rushing, read where the linemen are going, read the quarterback's eyes. Because in quick game, the quarterback does not have four reads. That's not how it goes, especially in college. In the NFL, it may be a little different. Those guys, it's only 32 of those spots in the world. Fine. But in college, quick game is, okay, you see him? Is he open? No. Is he open? No. Throw it away. And so at UNC, that I, I mean, yeah, at UNC, I feel like that's what happened for that second interception. The defensive end knew not to rush. The defensive end took two steps upfield to make sure that it wasn't a run and make sure they wasn't coming downhill at him. And he just stopped. He stood there. Read the quarterback's eyes, got his hands up, and the easy pick drops into uh, Surratt's lap. And it was, it was angering for me, but at the end of the day, football should always be therapeutic. And I think that uh, I think that the the big thing is Coach Beck needs to break through his wall. And speaking of walls that people got to break through, Built Goal will help you break through any wall that you have, whether it's mental or physical. Just break through it with Go every day. It's easy to take in 1.5-ounce packages. Put it in your briefcase. Put it in your book bag. Put it in your pocket. It'll fit anywhere. You throw it in your golf bag to power through the back nine. Who knows? Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's five-hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for your body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine. And better results. It comes in three absolutely delicious flavors. Peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. Peanut butter honey is my favorite, by the way. Y'all don't have to agree with me. I'm just saying it's, it's my favorite. Also, visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCK, L-O-C-K-E-D, LOCK, and you'll get 20% off your next order at BuiltGo.com. 
Built Goal, let's go. And also, watching a state team without Devin Leary can be stressful. But football is supposed to be therapeutic. Football is supposed to be your time to chill. So chill out with the beer that's meant to chill. You know what I'm talking about, folks. Coors Light. It's perfect for you. In any moment that you need to take a little inspiration to relax, go ahead, crack open that Coors. You're going to hear the sound when you take off the top or when you crack the top, and you'll know it's time to chill. And remember, whenever you're drinking Coors Light, always celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company in Golden, Colorado. So now we've got Andrew Snitker on the show here, and we were talking football. We, we had a plan. We had a game plan into what we were going to do here. We were supposed to be talking basketball immediately at this point, but I think we need to dive a little deeper into this state team going forward. So, Snitty, what do you think state needs to do going forward in order to win that seven or eight games that you said are in front of them even if they lose to Miami? Yeah, you know, I think one of the biggest things that's going to help out whoever's at quarterback um, and the thing that we've kind of seen trending in the wrong direction for a few weeks now, they've got to find a way to get that run game going. Right. You know, it was, right. you saw it really good against Wake Forest. Um, part of the reason for it not being as good as it is might be some injuries around on the offensive line. Justin Witt's missed time. Tyron mm-hmm. Riley's missed some time. But mm-hmm. I think that's going to be one of their biggest keys because it's going to take pressure off whoever's playing quarterback and let you move the ball that way. And especially, too, I think we saw in the Wake Forest game um, that one of the ways Bailey Hockman is most effective is off of play action, and you need your run game going in order to set that up. For sure. For sure. I I agree that they have to get the run game going again. And at the end of the day, my biggest thing has always been with this state team, uh, as far as this season goes, it's always been the same. The playmakers have to make plays. The guys on the perimeter have to make plays. When you have guys who are as old and as experienced and as seasoned as some of their uh, receiving cords, I'm talking about Emeka Mezzi especially, um, and then when you go to the tight ends and running backs, a lot of guys have played a lot of snaps. When you talk about uh, Penix, Bam, and Persons, and Dylan, part, both of the Dylans at tight end, they have to play like guys who have played a lot of snaps. Like that, the Dylan Parham drop, to me, was so frustrating because you've got this young buck coming in and sure the screens, the quick game, all that it's a little gimmicky, but then Beck opens it up a little bit and finds, find some guys, scheme, some guys open. Okay, great. Go make the play. Beck can't go out there and catch that ball for you. Doran can't go out there and catch that ball for you. I can't go out there and catch that ball for you. Nobody can. That was not even a moment of true 50-50 ball. That was a 90-10 ball that somehow he not only did not come up with, he gave the UNC defender the chance to come up with. So, you know, that, that, was, that was extremely disappointing for me. And as you saw when the Mecca Amezi got the ball on his touchdown when the game was still close and within reach, at the end of the day, when you give the young buck a chance and you make something happen after you get the ball in your hands as a playmaker should – Everything will be copacetic. Everything will be copacetic. Well, they were mar- on both of those drives. I mean, NC State just totally, completely marched the ball down the field. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's and that's what I mean by the 
Beck needs to stop that thing where if there's a turnover, the offense goes super conservative. Because if, oh, I'm, a, agree. if yeah. I'm a defensive coordinator, all I tell my boys is get the ball out of anybody on their team's hand one time, and I guarantee you we got them. That's it. That's it. Because after that, I guarantee you they won't throw the ball over 20 yards all game. Because I look back and I watched the film of that game again. I watched that game again, and I said to myself, wait, did they really not throw the ball over 20 yards after the, uh, after the first interception? And surely – they didn't. Not wow, one pass. I didn't realize that either. Not one pass traveled twenty yards or more in the air. I mean, until I believe until Hockman came back, I think there was one. Not, but Ben Finley, until he was pulled again, did not throw the ball. And to me, that says more to me about the coordinator than him. Because if you put him back in, sure, he did have times where it was like, all right, this moment is big for him. But let him go through it. Let him suffer through that. Do you remember Russell Wilson's first game at NC State as a starter? I do not. They played South Carolina, and they got the dog piss beat out of them. 31-zip, absolute thrashing. Absolute thrashing. So, to me, and I'm not saying that Ben Finley is going to be Russell Wilson. Not saying that at all, folks. But what I'm saying (laughs) is... When you, when you have young guys, you let them go through the whoopings. You let them go through the beatings because those licks that they're taking now, you go into the film room on Monday and you say, hey, you see this? You see this This right here on this post? Make a play. Trust your receiver to make a play. You got to let this ball go right here. Hey, do you see this? You got to trust that. They, you know, that's, that's what you do. You can't, at the end of the day, like I said, if you pack the offense in in that way, there's no way that they're – that you're going to have a shot uh, going forward. So, give me this, and we'll move on from football. Give me your predictions on NC State final tally at the end of the season. I'm going to say 7-4. and four. I think they lose to Miami. Um, and then you've probably got four games after that that NC State really sh- probably should be favored in. Um, Liberty's been a tough team so far this year. Florida State has had you know they beat unc and then they go out and get demolished by louisville i really don't know what's going on with them that's at home you get georgia tech at home you go to syracuse i would have been a much more confident in nc state going 4-0 in those games with devin leary oh absolutely um, absolutely but i'll say they probably still find a way to win three of them and go seven and four and i mean if if you go seven and four in this weird season with what's still a relatively young team and all the injuries that you've had, especially at quarterback. And keep in mind, seven and four probably means either seven ACC wins or six plus Liberty. It's not a normal schedule. Mm-hmm. That's a good season. And that's a season you could feel really good about moving forward from a building standpoint for NC State, I think. Absolutely. I, I'm i going to agree with you there. And I'm going to throw in the bowl game for you. And I'm going I'm to go eight and four. I'm going to go eight and four. Uh, this may change. This is fans. This comes with the asterisk of results may vary depending on who they pull in the bowl game. But uh, I say that only because it's four, four winnable games. But again, at times without Leary, this team has looked god awful. And I understand why. Because all of the injuries that they have to that defensive backfield, like I talked about before, 
the play where uh, Pierre-Louis loses Downs in coverage. He didn't lose Downs in coverage because Downs hit him with just the, the best outcut. He leveraged him perfectly out of the release, and he, he figured out just what Pierre-Louis' weakness was as a corner and hit him with the greatest corner route we've ever seen. No. Pierre-Louis was lost in the coverage. He thought that they were running zone and that he was responsible for the flats or for the uh, outs. And in that, in that coverage, he didn't. That was locked on, man on man, one high. It was cover one man across the board. He loses his man. His man runs wide open. Why does that matter to the quarterback situation? When the quarterback is good and healthy, you can sustain drives. When you can sustain drives, you don't have true freshmen on the field for extended periods of time. And that's just what it is. That's just what it's going to be uh, with these guys going forward. So, you know, I, I see seven and four. Um, and I think that's regardless of what happens at Miami. Even if they don't compete with Miami coming to town, even yeah. if Miami beats their skulls in, I still see the games they have after that as extremely winnable. Also, Florida State beating UNC. I think that says a lot more about that UNC team than we actually think, but we'll keep it moving yeah. past that. So, we talk about basketball. We're going to talk about basketball here. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Now, everybody's seen the picture of Manny Bates, one of the best shot blockers in the nation. Looking like he's part of Swole Patrol, baby. What? Oh, man. What are you thinking looking at those pictures of him? I mean, it, it, you know, it's funny you asked me that because uh, we had our media. Were you there a co couple weeks ago when we had the media day for basketball via Zoom? Uh, I was not. So we were there and we're talking about Manny Bates and Kevin Keats goes, yeah, man, Manny, Manny got bigger this summer. I was like, excuse me? And then Manny sits down and sure enough, Manny got bigger. <laughs> and from what it looks like and from what Kevin Keats has said, I mean, it's good weight. It's muscle. And, oh, it's, uh, it's amazing weight. It's amazing weight, yeah. And you look at him, too. Last year, yeah, he was a great shot blocker. And listening to Kevin Keats talk about it, um, it sounds like he's more reliable offensively now. You know, he can kind of get the ball over his shoulder. They can get it to him inside and get a little scoring, which that's big for me because that lets you live, play him more minutes. And the thing about Manny Bates is, you don't need him to be amazing offensively. You don't need 10 points a game, but you just need him to not be a liability on offense. And I think the other thing, too, is they're kind of trying to work on uh, getting the guards, the guys in front of them a little bit better so that he doesn't have to block quite so many shots and doesn't get in foul trouble um, to keep him on the court more. So, no, I'm, uh, I'm excited about a lot of things with this NC State team, and one of the biggest ones is seeing what Manny Bates does in year two. Absolutely. Uh, the team's deficient, defensive efficiency with both he and Funderburg on the court was outstanding. I mean, it was outstanding. Like, they were up there with Virginia in terms of defensive efficiency, of course, with both of their bigs on the court. 
And we know that Coach Keats, he loves to run with a lot of guards. But if if they continue to do what they do and this, this team trends in the way that we're thinking they're trending, but with those two both being effectively on offense, because Funderburg on offense, we know who he is, right? We know he has a couple of decent post moves, but he's mostly a guy you get the ball to him while he's uh, creeping along the baseline. He's going to get you some easy buckets. He's going to attack the offensive glass, get some easy buckets. But if, like you said, if Bates can just be serviceable on offense and keep himself out of foul trouble, they may have something special there. Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, you saw DJ, I think DJ Funderburg, um, you know, I always thought he was going to come back when he went to the NBA draft to get feedback, but the fact that he does is huge because that gives you another senior um, to pair with Devin Daniels, who I also think is going to be really good. But you look at DJ, all the different things he can do on both sides of the court and some of the games he has last, last year. I mean, the game that he had against Duke, that NC State won. I mean, he was huge in that game. So mm-hmm. I think that that, you know, having Devin Daniels and DJ Funderburg both back gives NC State two seniors who you know are going to play hard, who you know are going to play their best in the big moments, and who are just really good basketball players. Absolutely, absolutely. Here's a guy that I think could be the X factor, and I presented him as the X factor before, but you tell me what you think here. I think – when I look at uh, when I look at senior when I look at senior guard Braxton Beverly, I've seen him play. He's it feels like he's been in NC State for forever and a day, um, but and because I believe he was playing his freshman year, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken here, right? Yes, yeah, because he um, he originally was going to have to sit out with that whole thing of decommitting from Ohio State and everything, but they were able to get him declared eligible. I think partway into the non-conference portion of that season. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I remember that. So, I think Braxton Beverly can be the X factor for this team. I don't think that he's the playmaker, defender, nor uh, finisher around the rim that Markel Johnson was, but I think that if he is locked in and can lead the young guys on the team, because their guards are all young. Their guards are, for the most part, ton of young guys. Losing the guys that uh losing the guys that they did in in not only Bates, I mean in not only uh in not only Jesus Christ. Markel. Yes, not Markel only Johnson. Not only uh Markel, but the young man that he bought over from UNCG as well. Um uh CJ Bryce, yeah. Yes, losing I don't know why. I'm sorry, fans. My mind is slipping away from me today. But yeah, anywho in losing Markel Johnson and Bryce, that's that's tough. But some of the freshmen that they got coming in, especially in the at, at the guard spots, everybody's really high on the guards they're bringing in. So, what do you think about the young guys and how everybody's tooting their horns about how great they've been and how great they've looked so far? Yeah, it's funny. I saw a tweet yesterday from John Rothstein um, about Cam Hayes saying, I believe the phrasing he used was that he had a deeply entrenched confidant, um, which in Raleigh anyway. I love I love deeply entrenched confidant. I love it. I love it. That said that Cam Hayes could be a potential starter, and I think you know, you agree. I mean, he's a good player. You know, he's a top one hundred recruit. 
You know, and I asked Kevin Keats about that this morning, and he was talking about him and Shaquille Moore, who I think is a very, another talented guy or real, could be a really good on-ball defender. Um, you know, they're a little bit different than Markel, who, you know, could kind of break you down and get to the rim and, mm-hmm. you know, make plays. Hayes is more of a pull-up guy, and, you know, Shaquille Moore just plays with that toughness. Um, you know, really aggressive. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting, though, because, you know, the other thing that Keats talked about, it's going to be kind of trial by fire with these guys because there's no exhibition games. There's no scrimmages. They're going to go right into it. You know, NC state, um, you know, they're going to play some non-conference games. They've got Michigan in the big 10 challenge. That'll be a tough game. Ooh, so. That'll be tough. Yeah. Jawan Howard's got the uh, number one recruiting class in the nation right now as well. So, you know, yeah. it's never, never, never an easy out against the boys from Ann Arbor. No, definitely not. My uh, my mom is actually a U of M alum, so I kind of follow Michigan a little bit. And, uh, yeah, that's that's going to be a tough game. But it's interesting you mentioned the young guys and Braxton Beverly because that's another thing Keith's talked about, that if the young guys take some time, um, you've got a guy like Braxton Beverly or a guy like Thomas Allen who can run the point for you, even a guy maybe like uh, Darion Sebron who redshirted last year. But – I think the best version of NC State probably is with a guy like Cam Hayes playing the one, because I think we've seen Braxton Beverly have to play point in the past when Mm -hmm. Markel Johnson is out, and he can do it. Don't get me wrong, he can do it, but the best thing about Braxton Beverly is his shooting, and I think he's a much more effective player, and NC State is a much more effective offense when Braxton Beverly is playing in that two spot and playing off the ball. Right. Well, and I think with Kevin Keats' offense – with when how how often he goes three or four guards, at the end of the day, there's going to be opportunities for each and every one of these guys to find what their role is, right? Like Bryce was the guy who would do a little bit of everything. He was the leading rebounder. He was an excellent defender. He was a so-so playmaker. He was all right with his jump shot. But he he did everything. There has to be a do-everything guard, and I think the Sebron could possibly be that guy for this team going forward. Yeah, I think um, a lot of people in the program are really high on Darion Sebron, and I think there's a lot of good things that he can do for you. Again, you know, that's a guy they were pro- they were expecting to have him last year, but he ended up redshirting mainly because of academics. But that's a guy too that again can. You know, I think he might be onto something with that do everything because you look at a guy like CJ Bryce, and he could even, if you remember um, two years ago when Markel Johnson had that back injury, CJ Bryce actually played some point for right. NC State and played all right. And I think, especially early on, as you're trying to bring along a Cam Hayes or a Shaquille Moore slowly and not overwhelm them, uh, or as. Um, as another NC State coach that we're going to talk about later would say, uh, not have them drinking water out of a fire hydrant. Darian uh, Sebron's a guy who could be an option there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this Wolfpack team, by most people, is predicted to finish toward the middle of the Wolfpack basketball team, predicted to finish toward the middle of the conference. Where do you see those guys going? You know, I could see that. I could see, uh, you know, I think, Kevin Keats has talked about this too, and I it, it's one of the more deeper, versatile teams he's had in terms of guys who can play multiple positions and do different stuff. 
And I think sure. that's the thing that Kevin Keats likes a lot, and having that depth lets you really run that, you know, up-tempo Kevin Keats kind of basketball. Um, the biggest question mark for me is going to be the point guard position. Can they figure out a reliable solution to replacing Markel Johnson? Because they have a lot of other you know, they they should have a really good front court. Devin Daniels should be really good. A guy we haven't really talked about yet, Jericho Hellams, I think has an opportunity to have a really good season. If they can figure out that point guard situation, you know, ACC basketball is always tough, so I could see that. Middle of the conference, I could also very well see this NC State team with their depth and their talent and the experience finishing closer to the top four or five. And, you know, we when, when looking at the – NC State basketball team, I don't think that them – I think that their ceiling, I think their absolute ceiling is sneaking into the top three of this conference. I think that's their ceiling. I could be wrong, but that's that's what I think is their ceiling. And I say that because um, I don't think that UNC will have two back-to-back seasons like they had last year. But also, even with the guys they have, I don't think that they're uber-talented as we've seen before with them. Uh, Duke as well. Duke is Duke is Duke. They're going to be a tough out. Virginia in that backline defense. Coach Bennett's always going to have them competitive and, and doing great things. But I really do think that NC State could sneak into that top four, top three. I really do. I wouldn't be surprised if they do. Louisville is always a tough out, regardless of who the coach is. Regardless of who, even when they had an interim coach, Louisville was tough. So yeah. that that tells Florida you. Florida State should probably be in that mix. Exactly, Florida State. Florida State just has length for years. I mean, Jesus Christ! You just you look up. <laughs> they always got a bunch of guys that are six eight and can handle the ball, and you know that. So they're exactly Florida State is going to be in there as well. And what I was what I was getting at here was that. They're, I don't think that NC State's, uh, wherever they finish as far as where this conference is, should be indicative of what they are or are not as a team and what they can or cannot do in a tournament. Simply because this year, just like many years in the past, the ACC is bar none going to probably be the best uh, basketball conference in the nation. No, I agree. And when you look at this team, um, you know, what are two of the biggest things that normally help you in March it's having a lot of good guards and it's having a lot of experience and I think those are two things that this NC State team really has the potential to have right right all righty so we're going to switch we're going to switch gears a little bit here and talk about women's basketball for a minute because I know that that's one of your beats that you cover coach Westmore and the team were having one of their best seasons in program history not just while he was here in program history and we're gearing up for a deep tournament run last year when, boom, Rona came around and pretty much shut that down. But what do you see for this team, for this women's basketball team going forward? You know, I I think what Wes Moore has been able to do is tremendous. I mean, you look at NC State's first ACC championship for any, you know, football, basketball, or baseball since the early 90s. Um, you look at the big games that team was able to win. They're gonna, there's, you know, some players they're gonna miss. Obviously, Aislinn Koenig is a big loss. But you look too at what they have coming back. Um, Alisa Kunane, I mean, NC State fans know, is one of the best players in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got, you're gonna have a couple seniors who can really play well in uh, Kai Crutchfield and Kayla Jones, who are gonna give you some good minutes. 
two players who were freshmen last year who really started to come along down the stretch were Jada Boyd and Jakia Brown-Turner. And if you remember, Wes, if you know, if you guys know anything about Wes Moore, he is not a big fan of playing freshmen a lot, but they kind of forced his hand. Exactly. Uh, in fact, Jakia Brown-Turner made 31 starts last year. That's the most starts a player has made for Wes Moore. And you look, too, at what they did. Uh, Jada Boyd, I think, had 16 points and eight rebounds in the semifinal game of the ACC tournament against Boston College. And then Jakia Brown-Turner had a double-double, first of her career, with 14 points and 10 rebounds against Florida State. So you already know that those two are you know, big-game players who can make things happen in the big moments. And they're both sophomores. Like, that's the thing. They're sophomores. Two, two players. Two players who both made uh, ACC, all ACC freshman team. So, you like you said, he, they forced him to play. He they forced Coach Moore to play. Yeah, and you look to. I mean, the future's bright because you got them. You got Kunain as a junior, so you got her for two more years. Um, you've got another five uh, former five star recruit, Ellie Sutphin, who redshirted last year, didn't play. Um, she had reclassified, I think, to join NC State last year. I think that she was originally going to be in this this class this year. So I'll be interested to see, you know, what she can give you in terms of some depth this year. Uh, Raina Perez is an interesting name as a, as a grad transfer. She's someone who could potentially play a lot and play well. I think um, maybe replace some of that three point shooting that you lost with Koenig. So really I think Wes Moore's got a really good team that, you know, it's going to be right there in the ACC again. But as we know, you know, we just talked about how tough the ACC is for men's basketball. Women's basketball is no different when you've got for the sure. likes of Louisville and Florida State right there. But, you know, I think there's no reason to believe that NC State will be right there in that mix again. Exactly, exactly. And I'm going to tell you, in covering women's basketball, uh, as much as I did when I was at NC State, one thing that I will tell you about Westmore, he is not a coach who tries to fit square pegs into round holes. He adjusts, he adapts, he figures out whatever he's got to do. Because if you remember when Maya Spencer was there, he used to always run the four guards because that's what he had. He didn't have many quality bigs at that time. No disrespect right. to the bigs, but he just, the guard play was better than what he was getting from the bigs. So he ran with four guards regularly. And we've also seen him, like last year, run with a Twin Towers look, run with two, three bigs that are six, three, six, four, and, you know, make it happen that way. So Westmore, at the end of the day, of all of the sports that we've talked about today, he has the best history of winning, and I think that he will continue in that vein with NC State. Yeah, I mean, you know, Pat Papalizio with wrestling and Braden Holloway with swimming both can may, certainly make – Claims to that. Oh, listen, title as well. Coach, you, Coach Pop you, you is just, Coach Pop is in a different class. If, if we talked about wrestling, if we talked about national champions and all that, we Coach Pop is in a different class than some of the coaches we're talking about as far as Doran and Keats and all that. But in the three we've talked about, Coach Moore can definitely beat his chest and say, "Hey, I'm the, I've set the standard for you guys. Follow me." Yeah. Well, I think he's he's Wes Moore is at least in the conversation as you know, looking at what he's been able to do. Um, as the best coach at NC State, because you got to look at too what what you're dealing with with women's basketball. Because you look at, you know, NC State's a, I think a top ten program right now, but 
the gap in women's basketball between like the top three, four, five, and then like even like six, seven, eight, nine, ten, it's it just it it feels so much bigger than a lot of different sports. For sure, for sure. But I mean, I so the only pushback I'll give to that, I think men's basketball is the only sport with parity across one to twenty-five, and even some unranked. You're not surprised when an unranked pulls an upset. All the yeah, other, all the other sports, I don't know. Especially when we talk about football. Football. Look across these conferences. Who has competed with Alabama in the SEC outside of LSU for one year? And we see where LSU is now. You look at football, ACC, Clemson, everybody else, Big Ten, Ohio State, everybody else, Big 12, Oklahoma, everybody else. And finally, Oklahoma is looking human again. And Oklahoma State is playing defense in Stillwater for the first time ever. And then you've got, uh, and then you've got, you know, at the end of the day, all of these conferences, except maybe the Pac-12. The Pac-12, it, it, it variates from year to year. But all the other major conferences, you know who the guys are. You know, okay, That's bet. Yeah. You could walk into the season and say, all right, who won it last year? Yeah, they're probably going to win it again. And for most conferences, be right. Joe Milton looked great at Michigan in their first win, so who knows, but yeah. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Snitty, it's been great talking to you. You are a friend of the Locked On Wolfpack pod. Anytime you want to come on, feel free. Anytime you're upset about something. We have ranted and raved on this show before. By we, I mean me. The fans are much <laughs> more constrained than I am, and that's all right. That's all right. You know, it's, it's, it is what it is. But anywho, anytime you want to come on the show, you've got a standing invite, brother. Peace and love to you. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Same to you. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I'm happy to come back on anytime. All righty. Well, Pack fans, come on back next week. We're going to have a new show. Every day you got to drive into work, there will be a new show. Or log on to work because I know we live in a different world now. And many people are working from home in their pajamas and whatnot. Any day you got to log on to work, I'll be here. All right? Peace and love, y'all.